Turns out he's a major cinephile. They don't watch enough movies! It's a very simple formula! And here we go. What's good, fans? It's your podcast host, Nick of Nick Nat Goes to the Movies here. We're coming back to back for the first time in a while. And it's nice to be back and just to have, you know, one movie to focus on. And boy, is it a good one. And I have been seeing those Paddington movies, and they're pretty good too, but this is not that but. Shout out to Caleb and Elise, loyal listeners of the show, for introducing me to the world of Paddington. But instead, if you're keeping abreast of my Letterboxd account outside of that, you could think I'm talking about the Bollywood classic Lagan and the video game adaptation that brought Pokemon to the real world Detective Pikachu, but you'd be wrong. And some of you may know... It is finally time to get more superhero content since the start of this season. And they don't get more interesting than the latest from DC, The Batman. I will try to keep this localized on this new Batman universe. But I have to mention the overall DCEU and I guess just DC movies as a whole. So yeah, I'm on the train of I overall really want to hold out hope that we will one day get the completed five movie arc not three movie five movie arc from the Snyder take version of the Justice League saga his completed vision would be cool I don't know and I don't think that will happen since they are straight up killing off Ben Affleck in the next Flash movie unless this Discovery merger can save things and put all these movies on hold and bring back what the hope that I think a lot of people were wanting out of this whole thing. The Snyder Cut added so much to the Aquaman first movie, which was cool, and I would be interested in seeing Keaton, you know, reprise the role of Batman, of course, but, you know, it's gut-wrenching that they're closing the door on Affleck and obviously Cavill and Fisher, which should not be happening. And if they want to, you know, put out the air cut to come out, you know, I wouldn't say no. The DCEU is a mess with projects all over the place that don't make sense. But yeah, that rant will be over. So let's try and focus on, you know, this movie and and who's in this newest iteration of the Batman in live action. So with this new Batman, yes, I'm cool with there being multiple Batman universes out there. I was excited putting my DCEU feelings aside and, you know, after seeing both the trailer and the cast list. And, you know, I'm excited to see the Michael Keaton thing. And even though that almost assuredly means the end of Batfleck and that that his time is coming to an end and it's nigh, I was curious for what Robert Pattinson would bring to the role. I still have yet to see Tenant, which was like one of the two movies that I was going to see right before COVID uh, started. And I did eventually see New Mutants, still have to see Tenet at some point. But if, you know, the trailers are anything to go off of, he kind of had that Bruce Wayne kind of vibe going. Now, this was not the direction they went with the assignment of this version of Batman and Bruce, but we'll get to that. Along with Pattinson, or as I like to refer to him more often than not, Cedric Diggory, my boy. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is also in this, who's no stranger to both the Harry Potter universes and the superhero genre. She was in X-Men First Class, Into the Spider-Verse, she was a voice actor in that, and she was pretty good in the Fantastic Beast sequel, which I feel 
Like a lot of people forget about. It wasn't as good as the first one, but it was still pretty good. Can't do that now. Can't forget about it with the third one coming out next month. I was probably most excited for Jeffrey Wright, Andy Serkis, and another Fantastic Beast alum in Colin Farrell. While Serkis didn't get a ton of time to shine, his live-action roles seemingly never do, I think the start to his Alfred was a nice touch for what's to come with the inevitable sequel and most likely trilogy. Jeffrey Wright, who's great as a villain in Boardwalk Empire. I think that might have been the first time I saw him. I'm sure everyone thinks of his Hunger Games role or Westworld. And we talked about him before on this podcast as the latest iteration of Felix Leiter in the Bond series. He is the longest in the role and the first to die. Somehow the guy with the shark bites made it out. But he did a great job in this, you know, role as Gordon. I think most people pretty much seem to crush the roles of Gordon and Alfred in these Batman movies. I think the weirdest of these has to be the eventual realization that as much as I like Colin Farrell, in most things I see him in, even if the overall movie or show isn't the best, he's normally pretty good. His last superhero outing, not the most well-received, especially with how much everyone loves this latest entire cast of Daredevil and can't wait for the soft reboot season four that Disney Plus will do. But you'll quickly realize you like his acting, you won't be seeing him at all with all the makeup and prosthetic work that went into transforming him into the Penguin. He is super fun and is probably the most realistic grounded version of the character as opposed to the previous live action version. Uh, You know, Danny DeVito's portrayal was fun, but Probably not the most realistic, being raised by penguins in the sewer. He is uh, more embedded in the mob, I would say. And they kind of did this a little bit in the Gotham show. But there's something a little different. and Because this whole story is a little more grounded than maybe Gotham was at times. Let's be real, Gotham was not the most grounded show. But I enjoyed everything that came with it. Got better as the seasons went on. Because first season was a little weak. But it got going. And it got going good in the end of it. But like the rest of the people in this movie, you know, we're not seeing the hardened criminal penguin. We're not seeing fully realized Batman or Catwoman or any of that. This is an origin story for almost everyone of note uh, of the heroes and the standard rogues gallery that you've met so far. I did not, nor do I really know a lot about Paul Dano, but for the role he was given, I think it all works out well, I guess. He was in There Will Be Blood, which is one of those long movies I saw once and was just not in the right headspace to watch and appreciate it. Down the road, uh, I'll have to watch that, especially for more Daniel Day-Lewis content, because he is a quality actor. I feel like I think the exact same thing about Gangs of New York. I know it's good. I'm pretty sure I like it. I just don't really remember because it's so long and I just didn't watch it in the right mind space. And lastly, for this movie's loaded cast... uh, John Turturro, who I knew I recognized from somewhere, but I couldn't place his look. His voice was super familiar, and turns out it was from an HBO miniseries I never got around to finishing. I think I started in like 20, I don't know, 15, 16. It was last time I was in California. I saw like the first few episodes at my friend's house and never got around to, uh, I don't even think, like I said, halfway finished, not even close, for the night of which is also one of the bigger things that introduced most people to Riz Ahmed outside of Dead Set, which you can see like a super young him in. But Turturro was spectacular as the charismatic Italian mob boss. 
And there are a ton of those characters in this most realized version of Gotham today, which is in and of itself like a character. It feels that way, at least. And that should take us into talking about the story and the role the city of Gotham itself feels in the narration of this tale. So to the plot of this movie, it starts off strong with a fun rear-view window Hitchcock reference. We love a good Hitchcock homage outside of, like, the birds. That was a bit goofy then and now. And the whole stalking aspect, at first you're wondering, is this Batman stalking a criminal? And then when you see a kid, you wonder, is this the Waynes? And are we going to see Thomas and Martha die again? Turns out it was just our first look at the Riddler stalking one of his victims. And this Riddler, of course, being very different from the goofy Jim Carrey version seen before, but not exactly the look we were used to with the hat, the suit, the cane. It's a bit more grounded. This was the proposed look for the uh, potential casting of the Nolan movies with Giant Depp as a character. It never came to anything, of course, but I think that's this look was probably a little more unexpected. Instead, this The Batman version of The Riddler gave us a more unpolished looking character with a cool looking question mark jacket logo. The mask might have been a bit jarring at first, but this whole world of Gotham is creepier, grungier, dirtier, and yes, everything feels more grounded and homemade overall. This was a Pinterest DIY at its finest, and no, not like what we're all there for to usually use it, for Animal Crossing New Horizon inspirations. In the same spirit, this version of Batman is a bit different from what we're used to. He's a bit more aggressive, not unlike the version we saw from Ben Affleck, but the detective parts are at more the center of the story here. It takes center stage. And of course, his size and mannerisms are different. I think the best Bruce Wayne we have gotten in most movies has to be Christian Bale, but for actual Batman of this movie, Robin Pattinson has to be, I think, one of the strongest. He's a bit darker and more conflicted overall about everything going on. It's a fun and interesting take on the character that we haven't really seen in live action. This is a more inexperienced Batman. In recent times, we've seen the rise and fall of Batman in Gotham from Bale. We saw a Batman who had kind of given up on people in the world until a fateful sacrifice from Superman gave him a new goal in life. From Affleck, we never saw the end of that arc, but I'll hold out a hope that we're not just going to see him kick rocks almost immediately in this, whatever this Flash movie may be. But this Batman has already kind of had this uneasy alliance with some members of law enforcement. Let's be real, we kind of know who the one person probably is, and it's it's Gordon every time. Big shocker, I know. This starts uh, a train of people being killed off in positions of law enforcement and Batman having an unwanted pen pal. First, the mayor gets it and a message to the bat. And his whole death is in a moderately symbolic way, followed by the previous commissioner. This is a big track record of these commissioners of old getting stomped at some point to make the way for the eventual Commissioner Gordon. But Batman being invited to the crime scene, not just for his letter, but overall just to have this detective angle, it's cool to see him do this part of the character that is crucial to his existence that a lot of times media forgets about this stuff honestly played out very similarly to the telltale games of batman source material 
the tarnished legacy of the Wayne family, a bit of an Arkham tie to history, more mob stuff, and honestly more lived in Gotham as well. I had an idea of where the story was going with the trailers having it known Bruce, not Batman, was a part of the story overall. And for me, one of the most exciting Batman things out there was just having these name drops and visiting iconic locales of the Iceberg Lounge. I'm going to talk a lot about the video games, but one thing people will appreciate this movie, hopefully the whole franchise and the Arkham game series, the world, I can't stress enough how it felt so realized in all these locations. It felt like a city, not just, you know, some really nice parties, some random alleys, and that's Gotham. There's more to it than that. I've talked about it before. I don't at all like the Saw movies. Traumatic experience, freshman year college. I'll ne- I never, I'll never do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Won't do it. That's that's my hard limit. No safe word needed. We're just not going to even get to that point. But this is as close to that as I would probably get. This and of course the very good I talked about last week. If you haven't watched it yet, get on it. The and then there were none series, which you can find on Amazon for very cheap, and I'm very close to purchasing it. Traps and irony aplenty uh, for all of the fatalities in this movie and that series is what it's known for, and maybe the sauce, TBD, don't really care. <laughs> I might think that they were a little more overall heavy-handed here, not exactly as clever as times as you would think the Riddler could be or would be, but it gets the job done with this version. With that in mind, I think one of the moments I laughed out loud in the theater, and I'm assuming I can't have been the only one, I don't know if there are that many hysterical chuckles, but uh, having the thumb drive be attached to a literal thumb was the right level of dark humor for this cool cat. So, it may not have been uh, with the thumb drive we lead to the introduction of Catwoman, and it may not have been my favorite way to, you know, she's protecting other women from this club, and you know, the motivations and her dad being the mob boss and an illegitimate daughter without the family name. The whole arc was not exactly what I was looking for, but let's get it, you know, let's not get it twisted. Zoe Kravitz was amazing in the role, and I can't wait to see her come back in this role. They say, oh, Catwoman's never come back in live action movies. Well, this one's gonna, I think, be a staple as much as he is. How can she not? She was fantastic in the role, The chemistry she has with Pattinson is easily one of the best parts of the movie. They work together more than I'm probably used to, but in general, she is rarely a villain these days anyway. It's more of an anti-hero, if that. Nice change of pace to see uh, live-action Penguin, who has done wonderfully here as a coming-up-through-the-ranks mob man. His partnership as the right man, not muscle, just a right hand for one of the two normal Italian bosses. It's always going to be... Carmine Falcone or Salvatore Moroni. It's one of the others. In this instance, Falcone takes center stage with Moroni being arrested prior to the story happening, which is the whole inciting incident. Gotham will always be a down-on-its-luck place with a small percentage of madly wealthy people, but here the corruption feels second to none and obviously a huge part of Gotham. And this is why the Riddler is after them after all. District attorneys, mayors, commissioners of police, and all of them conspiring and being greedy. And the eventual realization that's all about hunting down people 
who want to make money and have a fake public drug crime bust. You can feel the decay in the city mixed with, you know, the good, well-funded, small blood money parts. Uh, the funeral scene with the another bomb threat that eventually kills the DA in the latest Saw Trap. It's all just so good. I wish we had more Bruce in the world, but I guess his whole thing is being a recluse and less of a playboy billionaire philanthropist. And they kind of did that a little bit in the third of the Bale movies of everyone's like, oh, this guy, who knows what he looks like anymore. But it's not the same when you kind of are used to seeing him so much. And that's at the end of his career. This is the start. The Riddler is terrifying in this movie. I think there were probably some kids in that movie, and I was shocked that this is not the superhero movie you're taking your kids to. Uh, not not even close. And his uh, cause, the Riddler, is one I think most people would be down with, getting rid of corruption. Sounds grand. Now, there is this thing I've heard with uh, villains overall, but especially comic book villains. They have causes like Killmonger, who um, are good causes, you know, fighting injustice in the world. But when they look and feel too sympathetic and the audience is relating to them too much, they have to do something like commit a war crime or kill their girlfriend to make them evil again. I don't think this Riddler could be sympathetic, and that's because he's just so creepy. I think he's a little more sympathetic than maybe the Joker in that movie, The Joker. Um, you got to be specific because there's a lot of Jokers floating around in media and live action. I think he's a little better, but he's still pretty creepy, and no matter what his cause might be, and we will get to, you know, I think where things fall off a bit with his cause. But before we do that, the few mob moments, the drug bust, the penguin car chase, fun, action-packed. Colin Farrell as an Italian mobster is pretty fun. But, you know, he really did do great in this role. Overall, strong acting in the movie for pretty much everyone, I would say. But the Batmobile itself, I don't know if it was my favorite. And I've heard different mixed takes on this. But I kind of like the more tank feel. Yeah, it's not as, you know, subtle. But I don't know. I like the I like the big tank thing. Um, I think with the mob angle, having his parents not be mobsters but get caught up in some... Arkham stuff is kind of the legacy of the city is is in fault, not just the mob and like kind of, oh, the Arkhams and the Waynes are at fault. That's at least a Riddler thought, but I kind of like bringing that history into it. We've barely seen anything with Arkham in general, especially the family and barely even the, the prison, honestly, in most movies. And tying the Wayne and Arkham legacies to not being infallible, it does make it more personal. Look, this is the Arkham stuff is right out of like every video game. So if you're coming in with just like the movie knowledge, you may not know a lot about it, but the Batman Telltale games have Arkham, especially in the first one, as a big part of the legacy. The Batman games from Rocksteady are all about Arkham and the prison and the legacy and how it's not the best. There's so much of it, and it's nice seeing that world being pushed into the live-action movies and I think tying it to the Waynes is great. And and speaking of the Wayne legacy, normally Alfred is the one to help kind of soften the blow and be the moral figure of, hey, it's not all that bad. Listen, come on. I know your dad. Come on. Uh, it's dope to see that Pennyworth show, which they did put on HBO Max. So I think we're going to get close to diving into that one of these days. And I think while Circus really didn't get to do much as Alfred, which is a bummer for me, 
and I said this at the the onset, it was a nice start to the character, even if Bruce is like a right like prick to him the whole time. He gets blown up uh, in a bomb meant for Bruce. Uh, he's in a coma, wakes up, and Bruce is like immediately starts complaining and being mad at him and whining about his legacy. And I get that, you know, it's a tough thing to do. But come on, man, read the room, have some tact. You know, Alfred got done dirty here, but hopefully this can be explored this relationship and grow and be healthier and better between them in the sequel because you know if you like batman you know the alfred bruce relationship is huge in all these movies and this leads to a few fake outs of bruce's dad being in bed with the mob to protect his wife and you know the political career to help out gotham and then you know he went to this mob group to try and help but didn't really work and that group that you thought maybe they kind of helped then you realize oh oh, maybe they're responsible for killing his parents it's at this point where we have a few different ends you know now we kind of have the true story for the most part now we got to have the end to it so there's a few different ones that we're going to go through there's the end of the riddler the end of falcone and the end of the riddler goon squad who we probably didn't know existed until the end. Uh, one of these is lesser than the others and made me a bit bummed at the end and things a bit predictable and out of tone with the rest of the movie, but a little more superhero kind of what it is. And I say that all, you know, was saying uh, this is a very good movie that I really like. So first, Falcone's end. Uh, Selena wants to get him God and Bruce has every reason to, you know, think about doing this as well. But they end up teaming up to arrest him, and things are going well. But joke's on them. Uh, It was all a clever ruse to show that he was the rat. It gives Penguin, you know, his angry motivation and time to shine. And to get the Riddler to seemingly kill his final target. I like this end. Next is the end of the Riddler. And we see his motivations are pretty much carried out from the last one. So it's a nice dark end. Now he does get arrested. Uh, he has time to make his little question mark coffee uh, art before, but he gets arrested. And, you know, while this seems like the end of his crime spree, he got everyone but Bruce. Um, they really had us going for a sec, thinking he knew Batman and Bruce were one and the same. He wanted to partner with Batman and kill Bruce, so he didn't know everything after all. And I kind of like this, too. The end of a crime spree is rooting out corruption, which is admirable. Uh, a tough take, though, for Batman to process on the slippery slope of being a vigilante. And even, you know, after getting arrested, the Riddler has made his mark and is not done yet if we know anything about Arkham. And maybe he's inspired people. That was the whole end of the Joaquin Phoenix Joker thing was he inspired people. Ooh, scary. Now, my issues come with parts of the third end. And the one we didn't see coming. So the cult following an internet fandom is a fun take. It works for cult favorite cult show. The following with the all-star cast of Kevin Bacon, Sean Ashmore, and James Purifoy. Who seemingly, I can't find this show anywhere to stream. And I would love to watch it again. It was on Netflix for a few seasons. I'd love it back on something if possible. And seemingly this was the initial take that we were going to get on Scream 3 with Matthew Lillard coming back. TBD, it didn't happen. Maybe it'll happen for Scream 6. Now that's coming back. 
but he could be very dead because of the TV thing. At least we know Kirby's alive, so we most of the loose ends are at least somewhat figured out. But here in this movie, the cult thing gets a little lost in translation. He's, you know, like TikTok famous. He's not doing the whoa, not like your guy, Nick, from Nick Nick goes to the movies. But, you know, his whole plan is to get his, his cronies, all with matching Riddler outfits, to take out this new mayor who seems to be good for the city, innocent people, and flooding everything to make this shelter a shooting gallery. None of it makes sense, this last part. It doesn't really go with the whole motivations of cleaning out the corruption in the city. It just feels like doing kind of destroy the world, take over nonsense. And the action's good, and it makes Batman have to do more for the city instead of just being the spirit of vengeance. No, not the one, Marvel one, from Ghost Rider, who's classically called the spirit of vengeance, hoping that we get a Ghost Rider something in the near future. This is instead the DC one. Uh, He's vengeance, all right. You hear him say it a couple times, right? Something in the way. Those are the two recurring things. But the meaning behind it's good. The execution was just missing something for me. And look, I'm excited for Kogan's Joker, uh, especially the deleted scene. I, I was cool with it. I still want other versions of the character that have yet to be fully realized, like the Leto Air slash Snyder one. But it seems fun enough, the future of this Joker and this version of Batman. You know, which I'm sure we're going to see soon enough if the postcard has anything to believe, right? So, for me talk about the batman what about the letterbox rating for the batman well it's pretty good 4.5 i like i said i can't give anything a five i don't think anything is ever going to be a perfect movie and if it is i don't know i'd have to have a serious thought about it but nothing egregiously wrong in this movie i don't love some parts of the end and i don't love all of the catwoman story i think could have been done different and better all the actors are great the overall story is good I just that third act is things go off the rails a little bit and I don't necessarily know if they have to but if you haven't absolutely go watch the Batman and hope that this can exist and the DCU can both exist simultaneously and we can see Keaton I'll hope for it all but it's open so that is the Batman what did you think of it and where did you rank it among the other Cape Crusader cinema representations let me know on Twitter TikTok Instagram and more social media places at Knickknack Movies and Knickknack underscore IC. And the superhero fun won't end here. With the next episode, we will finally see. We've seen so much advertisements for it, and the runtime as releases have all moved around, and there's so much questions about it, but the answers will finally come. Is this Jared Leto, Sony, Marvel movie Morbius? Is it good, or will it just suck? Let's find out together next time. So cheers, and as always, until next time, cinephiles. Are you not entertained? I think this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I don't like goodbyes. Let's just call this See You Later, Alligator.